Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 88, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. The first thing I want to do today, though, is thank Free State Craft Beer Delivery for saving me over the weekend and providing a place for all the breweries to store their beer during the um, Mother Earth News Fair for the inside of the Uncapped building. So thank you so much, Dan Kennedy and Free State Craft Beer Delivery. You saved my life. And welcoming back into the studio, um, I think you were one of our very early on first guests where I was even worse at this than I am now. Uh, so hopefully this is a little bit better of an experience. Um, from Waradaka Brewing Company, we have Keith Core and Zach Lloyd. Say hi, gentlemen. That hey, was, your, how that you was doing? your cue. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. Very happy to be here. So what actually, can you turn your microphone towards you? Is that better? Yeah, that, you were like completely to the side. <laughs> um, what what are your titles? So you yeah, know. I'm um, you know I'm Keith Core. I'm the head brewer and co-owner. Um, and I am the assistant brewer and delivery driver. So last time we did an episode about War Doc, it was just you by yourself, Keith. So before we jump into the new awesome things that you're doing that we wanted to talk about, why don't we get a little bit of your background, Zach? Sure, what, sure. To um, when was what's your birthday? When were you born? Where'd you go to elementary school? <laughs> I mean, we could fast forward to like just right before how you got into brewing. <coughs> yeah, we brewing can, we can fast forward through a lot of that. Um, so actually I got into brewing, um, my dad home brewed when I was a little kid up until about the time I was seven. Um, so I always kind of knew that you could make beer at home and I thought that was cool. Um, so kind of right out of high school, um, uh, buddy of mine was like, Hey, like let's brew beer. Like we already like drinking fancy beer. Why don't we make it? I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, dig up my dad's old equipment. So, you know, we go, go into the basement, pull out all his old stuff. Uh, went to... The Flying Barrel, actually here in Frederick, when they're at their old location, and uh, they were like, "Wait a minute!" He like, "You guys are you guys aren't 21." We're like, "Yeah," but like, "Don't worry, no, we won't drink it." There's no alcohol in the in the ingredients. And they're like, "This is no, no, no. We're not mad. This is awesome. The fact that you guys want to make beer, uh, you don't just want to drink crappy beer. That's that's so cool." So, uh, made my first batch of beer in my friend's mom's kitchen, um, and then kind of brewed, you know, on and off from there. Um, until I got, you know, went to college twice, got two different degrees, hated what I was doing. I was like, you know, go, let me go brew beer. Um, applied all over the place. Um, but where DACA opened up, closest brewery to my parents' house and started going there, um, every single Thursday. And I was like, all I'm going to do, I'm just going to get them to know my name. And then they're going to be like, well, like, you know, and actually Jess said to me uh, one time, I'd already decided I was going to ask for a job that day. And she's like, so you just work close to here? And I was like, well, actually, uh, I want to work here. And she was like, okay. Like, that's it? Like, it was that easy? Um, so, yes. Yeah, so you should have asked sooner. I know, right? Well, it wasn't, you couldn't really ask too much sooner. I pretty much started, you know, in their first year, like pretty, pretty soon. That, that March actually uh, – and uh, the rest is history. Just work my way up from there. So what is the um, best thing about working for Keith? Um, a little bit on the spot. Uh, no, it's actually people say to me all the time. They're like, well, you must 
Sorry, I talk really loud. No, 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 just, you're fine. I get it from my mom's That was side. supposed to be, like, <laughs> sly, not your... No, uh, no, actually, people say to me all the time, like, oh, you must love your job because you get to work with beer. I'm like, no, actually, I love my job because I work for really cool people. Um, I think the coolest part about working for Keith is that he's super understanding, um, and he also loves music. So, like, lately, on Sundays, I've been going to concerts, I'm like... Can I come in late on Monday? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's probably one of the one of the best things about working for Keith. Yeah. Awesome. So what um, what styles or uh, philosophy do you do you bring to the brewery? Like what <laughs> what's your? Have you been doing enough where you have a specialty or what you like to brew the um, most? Or are you? No. I mean, I would say I I will literally do anything in a brewery. Like, you could tell me to do the dirtiest job. I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it. Don't you worry about want, it. You're just happy to be I'm there. I'm just super happy to be there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do whatever it can to m- make sure it doesn't end. Yes, yes, very much so. So we kind of um, did things wrong. I think I just bumped the cable that's going to cause static. Um, we usually start pouring something first because this is – yeah, we brought which, uh, um, which one of these should we go to we'll first? Start kind of from from lighter flavors to to bigger beers. So uh, we brought four different beers. We'll start with our our Course Walker uh, Dark uh, Lager. Um, this was a beer that got uh, ninety days uh, in the tank. Um, so oh no, I'm sorry, it got three months in the tank, uh, which is ninety days. Um, and uh, it's tasting really nice. This is the last keg of this beer we have. Um, so this is kind of the last lager that we have until kind of our next batch of lagers come out. So, so I scheduled scheduled you at the right time. You did. And especially with the stuff coming up, you did, yeah. So this is um, really light, 4.8%, really well lagered. It's going to be uh, multi-flavored, but uh, still kind of crisp and dry. Um, you know, we with lagers, our, our goal is to make uh, malt, malt flavor, nice malt flavor, but not a lot of malt sweetness. Um, you know, I think that's kind of hard to find in, in lagers, and that's kind of our goal with uh, this beer and with our MD-16 and with our uh, Camptoberfest as well. So, and this was actually Zach's idea to bring this beer. This is one of his favorite beers on right now. So Yeah, I was actually uh, I was doing a top check on the tank, and he was like in the other room. He was like, what, what do you want to bring? I was like, Course Walker. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it went really well. You know, we um, – we've been ecstatic about how well our loggers move both distro and in-house, you know, um, loggers sell really well for us. So I think it's nice to see, I think we're getting into the segment of people that maybe only drink loggers and they like that, just kind of like that flavor and, and they, they soak it up when we make it. So yeah, it's one of the things I've, I've mentioned it many times now, but it's kind of cool to see a lot of the, um, classic, more simple styles making resurgence i mean i love your strawberry gozas or um just cramming all kinds of stuff into an ipa um but it's still nice that you like kolsch's are making a comeback pilsners are like people are coming out and showcasing what maybe for a while in the craft beer world was just considered simple um beers that weren't really sought after yeah, you know, we're using the best practices and, and um, you know, it's kind of hard to find the style of beer and we figured we'd try to, try to make something that's not really well represented in the market. Yeah, you don't see, you definitely don't see a lot of dark lagers. Which is, it's kind of a shame. I mean, it's kind of like, a st- I mean, the flavors and stouts are amazing, but then you throw those flavors into a lager and it just makes it so much easier to drink, a little more refreshing. 
Yeah, actually, I don't. I don't even know the last time I had a dark lager or who who would have been from. I can name one. What is, uh, is Blackwing from Union? Oh, that's what really, I'm, okay. really yeah, great example. That is a yeah. Good one. yeah. I mean, do they make anything that's not great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, so I think real quick, um, we'll take a break to thank the sponsors who make Uncapped Podcasts possible. Um, and we're going to get into, well, obviously, we'll try a couple more of these beers, uh, talk a little bit for, about the new things you have going on that we specifically wanted to talk about. Um, and then obviously just go to wherever else we go. So let's take a quick break. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. And thank you to our supporting sponsor, Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions. Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions has been serving the craft beverage industry since 2012 and prides itself in helping their customers excel in a constantly growing industry. From concept to cooler, Caps offers solutions to your packaging needs, providing mobile bottling services, technical support, keg repair, rental bright tanks, and much more. It is their goal to help you grow your brand and your business and make your product stand out. Be different look different for more information visit capsbottles.com so once again thank you for your support and making the uncapped podcast work um all right so keith you have one exciting thing that you had told me about that i was like i gotta have you back on so let's talk about that yeah so um we are excited and it's not kind of in its final stages yet but the beer is tasting great we are excited to have a um 30 barrel batch of um, our first fooder aged uh, beer. Uh, we have a new fooder from American Fooder Crafters um, out of St. Louis uh, that we have a 9% version of our Reveille coffee stout in. So we have a big coffee stout. It's been, or big stout. It's um, the first beer that we double mashed. Um, so our grist case is such that um, we can't have enough grain in the system to make a beer this big. So we have to kind of split the, split the batches up. So this you know, it's three batches, so it's actually six six portions of grain. So it's a huge, huge beer uh, in a 30-barrel tank, and it's uh, aging and tasting really nice. It's got some wood character. It's got some vanillins. Um, and we're kind of just on the cusp of, of getting ready to pull that out. And, and um, you know, we're going to keg up some. We're going to add some uh, different adjuncts to different batches. We might s- split it a couple different ways. And then ideally this will be our first um, small, small batch, uh, small format release. So, uh, package bottles and things like that. Awesome. So, yeah. So we're kind of looking toward that, uh, that July, August kind of time frame. Um, people are kind of chomping at the bit and, uh, you know, we've never done a, a whiskey or a wood aged beer. Um, so this will be kind of our first, first entry into that. And, um, you know, we want everybody to kind of just be, be on the lookout in, in, you know, six weeks or so for, um, different varieties of that coming out in draft and bottles and, um, yeah, it's kind of a new new frontier for us. 
So can you explain to everyone what a fooder is? We, we've had a couple episodes where we talked about fooders, but... Zach, you want to give that a whirl? <laughs> no, you can take it. All right. Uh, so <laughs> a fooder is like a, um, you know, it's spelled F-O-E-D-E-R. Um, it's basically, you know, it's more common in the wine industry. Um, again, this is a 30-barrel tank, so it's the biggest, you know, 900 gallons. This is the biggest tank in our building. Um and it's wood inside and out. Um, you know, it's designed to, in the wine industry, a certain amount of oxygen, and maybe I'm speaking out of, out of school here, but a certain amount of oxygen ingress is okay in, in wine, um, in the wine industry. And in the beer industry, um, you know, you don't want any O2 in your stainless. Um, our ultimate goal with this tank is to make sour beer with it so we put this big big beer in it to start to it's new oak it's new missouri oak so it's got a lot of fresh green kind of tannin um that can possibly be an off flavor in sour beer if it's at too too strong levels too high levels so the idea is to put a big beer in it that can kind of almost um overpower well overpower and actually it does accentuate you know a um a big stout you know what i mean a stout can kind of stand up to a lot so this will soak up some of that new wood flavor um and then the idea is we'll pull that out and then start uh start a souring project with that um so that's kind of that's kind of what we're using the fooder and in the sour sour world some oxygen ingress is um you know at certain levels is good that'll kind of allow some of the souring bacteria that you're using to kind of thrive and uh produce flavors that we all that we all love so so is the is the stout almost being used as a way to condition the the vessel yeah you know we got you know this uh fooder we went new as in as we did with all the stuff in our brewery we went new because we didn't want to worry about i'm not a cooper you know i'm not real great with you know i didn't want to fill fill something and then have it leak all over our brewery floor so we went new to kind of make sure that we didn't have to deal with that problem the issue with going new is that it doesn't really you know it doesn't have the conditioning so yeah the the big big stout in it kind of allows you to uh, again take some of that green wood kind of tannin flavor out of the wood and then uh yeah we'll we'll fill it with uh some some a souring project so is that a normal practice to do or is that what you guys decided to do we've we've yes i think um it wasn't like a recommendation from the supplier so we got like an extended steam so just you know to kind of both swell the wood and pull out some of those tannins um but yes you kind of do want with new wood especially if you're going to do a light sour you know a project like a you're going to put like a five percent saison that's like you know that's super bright and light you want to that tannin will kind of come out pretty yeah. strong. So, um, yes, the idea is that that's definitely a, an industry practice for sure. So is that in a um, completely separate building from what's in? Not at all. We are, um, we have some barrels that have bacteria, you know, brett and bacteria in them. Um, and this will eventually live right next to the stainless. And Zach and I are just going to have really good brewing practices and keep all the equipment <laughs> separate. And, um, you know, I've always kind of said, I mean, if you can't experiment at the size we're at, then, I mean, this 
some people look at our brewery and say, wow, that's a lot of huge equipment. We are really small compared to a lot of other breweries. So if something went haywire in our brewery, uh, it's small enough that we can, we can figure can it out. It. Yeah. Yeah. We can figure it out. So spray enough bleach around. You'll be able to kill off, uh, whatever bug, just, right. just steam the whole room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Right before I left, um, flying dog, they purchased an ozone, uh, generator. Um, and what, Ozone is really nice and used in the wine industry. That will clean everything. Um, it's ozone infused water, and it um, it will it will clean it all. So if if that would be the kind of um, last, uh, last last ditch effort if something goes wrong. Yep, yep. And that's probably a good piece of equipment to have. You know that saves chemical and that ozone stuff is crazy because it turns the regular water in about fifteen minutes. It turns back to back to drinkable water. So huh. um, it's a it's a pretty um, environmental you know you're saving chemical and things like that so um having one of those wouldn't be a bad idea anyway so what um which one do we want to do next all right so which one i'm hoping for i mean i would if we're gonna get three in right how many are we gonna get get, i mean we can do whatever you want (laughs) there's just one that i'm really hoping is next let's switch to the um all right let's drink some baymore man no that's not it all right we're drinking goza you want to drink Goza? Yes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I I mean, I absolutely, you know, I love Baymore. All right. And it's not because I don't love it. It's just I have not had a chance to get out there to try this yet. And I've heard great things cool. about uh, cool. this beer. Uh, so you want to tell everyone about it while I'm pouring? Zach, you want an intro? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so that is uh, part of our 3-2-1 Goza series. Um, it's 4.2% alcohol, so pretty standard for a Goza. Uh, and that is particular one has uh, 180 pounds of fresh Maryland strawberries in it uh, that we uh, processed in-house by hand so there's a there's a there's a lot of labor and and love involved with that beer yeah this is our this is our kettle sour so you know we're um, you know we're doing the kettle sour process which is kind of inoculate with bacteria um, and kind of let it sit at a at a proper temperature um, in the kettle and then we're able to, and then we're able to boil and kill off the bacteria. So this, uh, you know, has a really sharp, um, but clean acidity. And then we also use some salt. We're using some, we're using some fancy salt out of West Virginia, um, the, the mountains of the Appalachians. They, they mine this salt, and it's the it's same. Just a fa- funny phrase, fancy salt from West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the, it's the West Virginia sea salt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically is. So it's the same salt that like Woodbury uses and parts and labor uses. It's a pretty. It's kind of the most local salt you can get. <laughs> so that's um, one of the things that I absolutely thank Union for is introducing me to Gozas and my love for them now. Because uh, I, I don't know if I ever would have sought them out w- before having Old Pro. Yeah, I mean, um, and we're actually using a lot of the same techniques that are that are used in Old Pro. In fact, when we before I did my first kettle sour, I think I reached out to the guys at, at Union and um, and kind of just and this was actually when I was at at Flying Dog and and uh, kind of talked to them about you know the length of their souring process and things like that. And um, you know, we purged the purge the whole tank with o2 or, or with uh, co2 to kind of evacuate any any o2 and um you know let it sit at, a, at the right temperature we usually go around 115 and and kind of keep it sealed off so that there's no uh, o2 getting back in um and it's been working great yeah zach and i got the system down pretty well it comes down to around right around three ph um and uh nice clean you know the first one i did definitely had some off flavors when we opened in december uh or i guess that kind of came out in january february definitely had some off flavors and like the one. cheerio 
flavor of that. Yeah, uh, and a lot of um, yeah, a lot of maybe sulfur. Just there's a lot of weird, weird flavors, and this I think we've gotten it down. Um, got, definitely yeah. gotten cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like the, this way lives cleaner. up to the praise that I was reading about it, and I and one I love gozas, but two the um, I like strawberries and beer, and then the photo that you guys posted on Instagram and um, Facebook just made it look so appealing and delicious. I'm pretty sure Zach took that photo. No, no, no. Actually, Courtney, uh, Courtney, our sales rep, took that photo uh, for us. She does a lot of lot of work on uh, on Instagram and Facebook for us too. So it's funny. Uh, she she was a photographer before I walked into the tasting room um, and saw her like sitting on the floor with her her you know her camera phone out to take this picture. I'm like, don't you have good equipment? Like, she's like, you can take just as good a picture with that. So, yep, yep. And that you're right. That was a, a great great picture. Strawberries are like the hardest fruit, both to brew with and for us to actually process, you know, to on a brewing wise, you know, this has 180 pounds and, and it could have more, you know, I think it sometimes gets compared to beers that are perhaps fake strawberry. You know, we've all had like a, a beer that almost tastes like strawberry syrup. Yeah. And that's like literally like you're eating a strawberry and it's going to, it's really hard to make, make that flavor when you're using natural strawberries because there's just, just a way that, processing has to happen you're never going to get it you know we're cutting off the tops to the strawberries we're running a strawberry for an industrial like a commercial food mill we're then boiling that puree so there's a lot of processing to uh, for us to be able to add this to the fermenter after fermentation and it's just never going to be you know i think everyone's palates are adjusted to the fake to the fake syrupy strawberry so once they have a real one they're like oh i wish i had more and it's like if you had more, like it would be really hard to give you more right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a ni- it adds a nice subtleness mm-hmm. to it, and it, and that's probably too like a lot of I think um, unless you're eating a strawberry, when you say something has strawberry, I think you're right where a lot of minds instantly go to more of like a strawberry ice cream flavor, which is probably from flavoring number whatever number strawberry is and strawberries just in general you know i think are um one like i said one of the hardest fruits to to use in beer um you know when we use we're kind of just in the uh, fruiting season so when we use like blueberries and black raspberries and red raspberries and peaches those all have um a lot stronger flavor a lot more um you know color Uh, i just think that strawberry you know i think it's the like it's a it's a it's a tough one. We use this, we we brew this beer for the um, only Sandy Spring Strawberry Festival, Sandy Spring Museum uh, Strawberry Festival that happened this past weekend, and it got kind of kind of washed out. So um, you know we we kind of try to get ahead. You know we we get we get these strawberries pretty early from Southern Maryland, um, and yeah we were happy happy with where it came out. Moves really well in distro and and. It's very easy to sell pink beer in the tasting room. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think, and and I think at this point too, because Gozas are definitely one of those beers that have taken off. That you just slap some fruit into one, it probably also helps it just fly off the shelves. Our fruited Gozas move the best for sure. Although you, I mean, with the fruit in it, uh, I think a lot, of, especially strawberry, people see that photo and they see you know pink beer with the strawberries laying in front of it. Um, 
they've never had sour beer before. They don't even know what a goza oh, is yeah. or sour beer. They, they have no idea that beer can taste like that. And they order it just straight. They're like, well, don't you know this is sour? And they're like, I don't care. It has strawberries in it. And yeah. they take one <laughs> sip and they're just like, this is one of the most amazing beers I've ever had. And they, like even my mom and my sister, uh, who, you know, they're around beer all the time because of me and my father, um, never had had a sour beer. And they came over when we released this and they're just like, we're coming over for that strawberry beer. I'm like, it's sour. And they're like, we don't, I don't care. care. That we picture don't care. was beautiful. We don't care. We <laughs> didn't care. And you know what? I think that's really cool um, to be able to make a beer um, that normally maybe if you said, oh, do you want to try a sour beer? Someone would probably say no. Um, but because it has strawberries in it, they're just like, yeah, I do want to try it. It makes it, it and accessible. It, and it just broadens someone's horizons on beer. It's, it's pretty cool. So I guess um, I've never discussed like the technical aspects of making a goza. When is the sea salt added? Uh, that's added late in the boil, like around okay. the ten so minutes. Okay, so it's mark. in. It's but so still early on in the process. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the second step. <laughs> yeah, it could. I mean, you could probably add it during fermentation. You okay, could probably add it. You know, that kind of flavor is just a. Yeah, that doesn't need boiling or you know what I mean. Like it's just it's dissol- to, actually it's just, just dissolving salt into yeah, water. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Although I mean, I guess if it's during a boil, though, it's going to dissolve much better than it would if it was sitting at a colder temperature. Yep, yep. Um, and we've kind of played around with the level of salt. You know, I think our 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 uh, the amount of salinity in our beer compared to perhaps Old Pro is a little bit less. You know, I think if you didn't tell someone there was salt in it you know you it's it's more of a complimentary to the to the acid it's not really yeah. a salt beer you know what i mean i think the, oh yeah there's there definitely some gozas where it's salt is front and center and See, start, i love a really salty goza <laughs> it, start, it starts to get a little like sick slickness uh, on the tongue when you have some you know when you start to get into super high levels of salinity it can kind of become like a weird like slickness uh in the mouthfeel and so ours is not ours is more of a just kind of an accent um so now, when you process uh, fresh strawberries for in beer, how how what's the end result of them? Are they pureed or chopped up or? So out of that hundred and eighty pounds of strawberries, we got I think we got between eight and nine gallons of puree somewhere around there. Um, so and it's puree, you know, it's um, we try to get all the seeds out, but it's strawberries, so that's a yeah. That's a tough, how do you even go ad. about getting any of the seeds out? So it goes. We have a well, we call it the puree master, but we have a uh, pretty uh, like commercial grade food mill. So it's basically mm-hmm. just like an auger that pushes all the fruit through different uh, gauge okay. sieves. So and we run that through two or three times through the food mill, and that kind of gets, you know, we have different gauges for raspberries for you know watermelon obviously you can run a pretty big gauge on a watermelon because watermelon seeds are, are pretty big so we have a different different gauges for for different fruits that have we're you processing. used watermelon yet i haven't not yet okay. i would love to do either a watermelon um saison or a watermelon goza this year so. watermelon gozas are delicious i think you gotta have so we're gonna much have to have watermelon. a whole field of yeah, watermelon yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what get excited buddy it's <laughs> <laughs> uh get me employed <laughs> Have you? It's um, with Founders Green Zebra. Oh right, that's a great goza. That's definitely a salty one. Okay, if I remember correctly, but it has a very strong taste of watermelon. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah. it tastes like it's real watermelon. So I'm assuming that it was a whole lot of watermelon used. Well, we got watermelons in the ground, and we're gonna we're gonna try to use uh, some from the farm and some from other local farms. I think this year, uh, hopefully. So, 
Yeah, we should try. You want to try another beer next in here? Um, I'll t- I'll talk quickly about the. Um, yeah, at first I have to. Fin- I I nope, re- never, I topped never, off never. again on the on the strawberry one no it's because it's delicious i didn't really go too much into the sour project that we're you know with that fooder and this is a long way away but uh, we're eventually going to do it like a solera so we're going to use we're going to hopefully have some yeast from you know come some yeast cultivated from our farm uh from the orchard there we have really old uh, apple trees um of which kind of good good bacteria can be found so we're going to um you know, kind of do a blend of yeast and bacteria in the fooder and then kind of treat it as a solera. So pull out, you know. What's a solera? Solera is where you have one vat, you know, we'll have the one one big fooder, fooder and we'll pull out, say, a third of that, keep the kind of house bacteria and culture going and pump in fresh uh, fresh liquid, fresh water. Okay. Um, so the idea is to kind of have a, we'll have a very uh, kind of farmhouse feel because we'll be kind of using yeast from the farm and other local yeast or other uh, sour and yeasts um yeah and then hopefully get a really nice uh strong culture the, the idea is that after two or three turns where it kind of ferments and um and ferments and, and really starts getting getting rolling you'll get some nice acidity and uh hopefully a really nice really nice character so barrel aged or wood aged uh sour beer is like belgian belgian sour beer is my favorite favorite kind of beer i don't um, know if i've ever had Oh yeah, the Duchess, the Duchess, so like yep. a Flanders yep. Reds and things like that. Yep, okay. yep, that kind of beer, Cantillon. Um, Is this the one you wanted to do next? Sure, sure. Um, I don't so think I've ever had this. That's kind of what. That's kind of um, that's kind of the goal. So um, I'm I'm excited, and it's like I said, it's a it's the long play. It's a long way away, but. Um, yeah. So is that is that um, to get to that point? Do you have to? run a certain number certain number of other beers through the fooder first or we'll pull this beer out we'll pull this big stout that we have out and and give it a nice hot rinse and then start yeah we'll we'll, we'll go right go right into it um and then once yeah uh, that first that first turn that first uh, draw from the fooder will be will be nice but it'll continue to improve and we'll continue to kind of have build that kind of house uh house character so one so, thing I wish they would do is find a way to design crowler cans well, I, in a way that the first pour, or do I just do it completely no, wrong? No, I want them to have a wider mouth yeah, for, so such it, a bi- for such a big can. Yeah, and like, and I've, I've asked them if we can get a, a wide, like a, like that mouth isn't even as wide as like a, like a wide mouth, sixteen ounce. Yeah, you need, sixteen you need ounce something can. or like. So you, you know what? A perfect business opportunity just invents like something that clips on there, so you can like a little spout or uh, something. I don't know. Or you crack the, or you vent it at the top above. Yeah, the, all I know is that well, I. You like think a, you think that it's impossible hurt? to pour a crowler without the, uh, the first couple pours. Well, there's there tough. is there is one way. Just uh, drink the whole thing yourself. Well, yeah, I guess that would <laughs> you work don't even too. Have to pour it into a glass. I fill those things way high too, because I always worry about people getting a crowler that is like partially. They pay for a crowler and and they only get four fifths of a crowler. So we we at the brewery fill those things all the way to the top. But that's a good idea. Just something that clips on there and gives like oh, a I little. Oh, I thought you were spout. talking about just drinking the whole thing. <laughs> well, well, that I mean, th- as a plan B, that's really good too. Um, I mean, because everybody complains about the same thing. I know. Yeah. I know. I I have that problem every time you see my counter when I have people over, <laughs> just covered in beer. Because this isn't. Th- is this the same size as a normal can lid? That's what. Wa- no, wider. No, right? it's bigger. Wider, it's yeah. bigger around. Yeah, so there's no reason not to have a larger 
yeah, cut be. out on it. I mean, the only reason there would be is if it was the same size as a regular can, you'd, I mean, just from scaling, it would make sense to keep it the same, but. You want to describe this? Beer? Damn it, ball. Oh, you can take it. Um, so this is the <clears throat> Haymaker Rye Pale Ale. Um, so we kind of. Oh, it smells delicious. If you haven't been to our tasting room in a while, we used to have seven to eight beers on tap at all times. Um, we have upgraded to, we have 14 taps now at our tasting room. Um, we keep the non-alcoholic, uh, like either soda or lemonade or apple cider. We keep that on tap. Um, and then that, that gives me and Zach 13 different taps to play with, um, which means we now have three rotate well we have a total of three hoppy beers on at all times and sometimes we have four so that's um that's been nice to play around with we have two different saisons on right now because at at one time you would you would have times where there weren't any hoppy beers right yeah and it's just kind of a you know it's a we would usually have our beecher ipa our beecher is our kind of flagship that we sell a bunch of the lemon verbena uh ipa but um so, because now we have so many taps, we can, like I said, we have two different saisons. We have a Belgian whip beer. We have a honey wheat. Um, you know, we have a lot of different beer, more a more wider variety. Um, so, we have three three different IPAs on now. We have our uh, Haymaker Rye Pale Ale, which we're drinking now. We have our Beecher IPA. We also have a coffee IPA on tap. Oh, and, I like coffee IPAs. Oh, sorry. I should have brought you some of that. Now it's have to come out. <laughs> I thought it was out. No, no, we got it on tap still. Oh, yeah, 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 we have it on tap. So, um, anyway, so this is our, this is one of those beers that's on tap. This is our Haymaker Pale Ale, um, Haymaker Rye Pale Ale. So this fe- features like I think it's like fifteen or eighteen percent rye, um, some nice uh, red uh, uh, caramel red uh, malt to kind of give it a nice red hue. Uh, lots of citrus ho- citra hops. Um, this is really good. Thank you. Yeah, and it's four point four percent. So you can. This is kind of the brewers drink a little bit you can drink a bunch of these yeah i was gonna say i thought it i was going to assume it was low alcohol because it definitely has the, the mouth feel of a lower abv mm-hmm. beer mm-hmm. but it just has the easy flavor to... for days though yep yep nice spiciness from the rye um you know and then with all the beers that we're drinking today um they feature between like 40 to 50 percent of we're kind of in transitioning from local malt um we did have uh, dark cloud um malt we're, mm. we're at like 40 50 percent of, of all the grain in our, our beer um and we're transitioning to the malt that uh university of maryland paired with flying dog paired with copper fox to, to okay. um, grow and malt so um and we're about to brew we just brewed a saison with 100 percent of that malt and the beer that we're making tomorrow is it's 100 percent that that copper fox um again university of maryland flying dog and then, and then um malted at copper fox so um, we're happy to kind of feature feature their malts for sure. How many maltsters are there in Maryland now? Well, um, you know, we, we've we used um, Chris Mullinex of Mullinex Malting Company, uh, which I think he's trying to keep kind of his portfolio kind of small, so he's a bit less well-known. We have okay. a connection with him. Um, you know, he sell like, the family's, the Wardock uh, equestrian business goes way back with the Mullinex family, so we kind of had one, some of the first malt coming from him. So Mullinex Malting Company, Dark Cloud. Um, I know there's Chesapeake, uh, Chesapeake Malting Company. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving out a few. You know, University of Maryland, like I said, University of Maryland, I think, grew this malt that they then sent to Copper Fox. Copper Fox is a Virginia maltster. Um, you know, I know, I think it's, um, I want to say it's Pilot Malt House that's going, uh, last I heard there was a malt house going in the Vanish um in the vanish kind of 
I don't Com- know. Complex. Every, every time you go there, there's something new. That place is like, so. it's like a living organism <laughs> that just slowly grows to, I think pretty soon we're all just going to be living on the Vanish Brewery. They just open a new yeah. pavilion and throw a new kegerator in every, yeah. couple, every couple of weeks. Yeah, Larry's doing great stuff out there. So I think that's, I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but the three the three that come to the top of my mind are the Chesapeake, Dark Cloud, and, uh, and uh, Mullinex. So... Do you do do you use a lot of um, local hops? Or yeah, yeah. So not a not a ton. You know, we use a really small percentage in all of our batches, yeah. but um, you know, not a ton right now. Um, we are working with, um, you know, our hop garden is doing the best um, that it has been doing. Rob Lang is one of our owners. Um, he is he has been running point on really. Um, keeping keeping it well manicured making sure weeds don't take hold making sure that he's uh the the one shoot going up the vine is mm-hmm. doing doing you know only putting the only putting the resources into that one vine so we're hoping to get the highest yield we're going into year three of these hops so we're hoping to get the highest highest yield yield we can get so um that's kind of and then um we mark thomas right yeah mark thomas of old silo hop yard we're gonna we're gonna get some of his hops this year as well too oh, so um yeah, the hop the hop game were were um, they're just kind of there's so much demand that when people they're almost sold before they before they even hit the market. Um, so we're trying to get ahead of that with Mark Mark Thomas. So I had uh, Brian Butler from UMD mm-hmm. giving um, sessions about hop growing in Maryland during the this past weekend the fair over the weekend. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, he's been and he we've leaned on him a lot. Um, you know, between him and and Tom at Mokehouse, we've been, we've been, um, we had a really rough, we've been trying to do like all natural and that was not giving us the yield that we needed. So we've been just tiptoeing into some more aggressive, um, management techniques, you know, uh, both kind of some, some burn back just to kind of keep the undergrowth, uh, minimal, um, and just tr- how to treat, um, w- during the off season to make sure that the roots stay really well fortified and things like that. So, uh, Brian Butler has been a huge, huge resource. I just watched an amazing video about um, farmers using uh, fire for conditioning the in between seasons, their fields. And it was this track, like a humongous tractor with a huge propane tank connected to it. And then what would typically look like, you know, like, um, I don't know, maybe for spraying water or maybe just, but just fire. Flame, yes. <laughs> and just slowly driving with these. Big that, that'd go over of, real well. Or not. Oh yeah, we'll get right ball, on that ball of flames. So, so if you if you when you get one, let me know. I'd love to drive that because we'll, it looked like fun. Yeah, we'll let you know when that comes <laughs> on the farm. <laughs> As I'm sure, it, nothing can go wrong when you're driving around with a huge propane tank yeah, and, on fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it was intense looking too. Yeah, I mean, um, so. We're hoping, we're hoping, you know, and obviously with all the rain we've got, we're not having to irrigate too much, you know, um, you know, who knows what the next couple of weeks will bring, but our hops are, hops are on the way. So we're, we're excited about what they yield. And then we've, uh, in the past, we've done a beer right around that harvest, um, time, kind of late August, early September called Whetstone, uh, which was, a you know, hundred percent, uh, either all Maryland, either, um, our hops or other Maryland hops. It was, it was mostly a kind of a split in two of our hops or uh, other local Maryland hops. Uh, 100% all Maryland hops and just kind of a uh, nice, easy-drinking, light uh, estate, like wet hop beer. So um, I think you'll see that coming up this year from us as well. 
rather than doing the token edition, which we do, but the token edition doesn't get a lot of flavor pop, so we'd like to kind of put all of our eggs in one basket with that batch of beer that we make uh, kind of late August, early September. So thinking back to the Crowler accessory, not only would like to have the pour on it too, but see, like if it had a flip lid on it, so it kind of like sealed down, well, you could well, flip now, see, it closed. See, just uh, to, I don't know if you have a cat or not, but uh, if you use a cat, uh, cat food like lid, um, they make those plastic lids for yeah. them. Those seal them too. Oh, do they? Yeah. Huh. I should have known he would work cats. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the I, podcast. I do not have a cat. <laughs> they do make. Sorry um, about your luck, then. <laughs> I think Milk House was experimenting with them, and I'm not sure of some other breweries, but they do make, maybe at, um, yeah, at a few other breweries, they have lids that are similar to the, um, almost like those 16- The Monster Energy? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I know the the Oscar Blues made Crowler, the newer ones, you can have an attachment on it yep. that will also take the lids that have like the one twist yep. seal mm-hmm. on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's not really a viable option. You know, we- we it tell seems people, like it would make the expense go way up. The expense goes up, and I think that they don't, I've heard, they don't seem, that, you know, the, that seal, that lid, is mm-hmm. not like something you want to rely on for, okay. for um, pressure testing and things like that. So, And it, I don't know if that would make it easier to pour. If we're talking about... Yeah, because like, it's in the middle. Like, but at the same time, too, it's only 32 ounces. I mean, just two pints. It's just two pints. <laughs> If you can't find stop, somebody to share stop, that with, just stop being a wimp and drink it. Yeah, either drink it on yourself or find someone to share with. Make a friend. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, have you seen Smoketown's uh, bike-powered uh, crawler machine? This I need to see. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. He he. I think they posted some small pictures of it. Um, I need to send them the video. So I I got some video of him riding around, but. He brought it out in the public for the first time at the Mother Earth News Fair. I got you. It was something he bought from um, the guy who invented the Crowler machine um, at, I think it was at CBC. Uh. He had it sitting there, and it's this cargo bike that they also had chains go and belts going up to spin what was a hand crank Crowler, Crowler. machine, but instead it. So, so in the future, when you hear about how people get their start brewing, most people are like, well, I started as a keg washer. Well, I started as the guy biking for the yeah. Crowler machine. <laughs> I pedaled the Crowler machine. <laughs> Man, that would we are an inefficient brewery. That, that would be a new low for us if we had yeah. to do that behind the bar. We need a bar back to hop on, the, would, hop on the bike. It would, it would sell Crowlers like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the Crowler machine itself already sells Crowlers. When people see it, they just want to yeah. see it spin up. If you had to go get a bar back and have them hop on a bike. Or you have to seal your own, because it, it's, right. it's also it's not a quick process. It definitely is. It it's a quite a bit of pedaling before it seems the whole thing. Yeah, I need to see this. I kind of want to ride it. <laughs> well, it's, have you ever seen like it's a real large cargo bike? Like it's so, a big cargo area, okay. and the wheel. The wheel was pushed way far ahead, so it's like it's not oh, a normal. I've seen, fork. I've seen them put uh, kegs on the yeah, with so taps, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much the same exact thing, except there's a big box with a crowler machine attached to it. I want to ride it. God bless America. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing we can't do. <laughs> so, you definitely seem to work with fruit a lot. Is that because it's just the type of beer you like or tying in being a farm brewery or just because 
fruit's cool. Yeah, I mean, well, fruit is cool. Fruit, <laughs> um, you know, I think fruit really uh, helps make, you know, you can make a beer without fruit, and then you can make it with fruit, and then that sells both of the, you know, people like to taste those back-to-back, you know, next to each other. Um, fruit can be grown in Maryland, you know what I mean? And that's something that Maryland can produce in volume and of high quality. Um, we produce some on the farm. We don't produce a ton. And so um, whatever we can't produce, we can support other, either pick your own farms. Um, you know, we, we do get some cherries from um, Boggers. We get some fruit from Butler's. We get some fruit, fruit from Laraland. So, you know, it's something that we can support people that are in the fruiting in the fruit and herb business you know what i mean so um and it's and it really tastes great in beer you know it it does um it does add a lot a lot to beer and to tell you the truth you know i was just talking to someone um they were they they gave me a our our beekeeper vic uh who is doing awesome with our bees we're about to have our largest harvest of honey that we've ever had this year i just Um, watched the bee movie with my kids it was awful Okay. Okay. Well, our bees. <laughs> if you made they a, don't make honey for beer. If yeah. you made a movie about our bees, it would be awesome. Um, <laughs> he he gave me a pineapple beer to taste, and I said, "Oh man, it's great." He said, "Can you make something like that?" And I said, "Well, we try to only use fruit that we can get in Maryland." And he brought up our, our citrus beers. We we get citrus when we're in Florida. Yeah, um, Runaway IPA. I know. That, oh, that, look at that. Well, that fruit. If we can get pineapples near us in Florida, we can get it. But um, you know, so we try to use only local, yeah. only kind of local and seasonal fruit. So we we would make another delicious th- there, IPA. You make thank you. There is an idea that I would definitely if if in another life we had a brewery that was in an industrial complex in a more traditional setting. Man, I'd be bringing in papaya and you know passion fruit and all that kind of stuff. You know, and I think that um, guava, guava, I'd be bringing yeah, doing all the things. But you know, we want to make sure we're just supporting the fruits that that Maryland can produce. So, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a valid, uh, they, honorable. Well, when they produce, I mean, yeah, we grow plenty of stuff gr- here. Yeah, grow plenty of it and really high quality. There's no reason to not. You know, and it also keeps it um, keeps it special. You know, we only have yeah. one fruit beer on right now. You know, we're not. I think breweries that you know you can go too too much over the over the edge with that you can have three fruited beers on and then all of a sudden you're you know kind of a more you know you're going off in a different direction so what is your favorite fruit to put in a beer i'll let zach answer that first uh well actually i think my my two favorites were uh blueberries and cherries going in the goza that yeah yeah, that's a good mixture yeah um and i also i want to applaud you that you always lean forward to talking to the mic there's so many people who don't. Well, it's actually just because I keep leaning, I keep leaning back so that I can drink my <laughs> beer and not make noise in the mic. So, I think um, I like the peach. We know we do a peach goza. Um, oh, I, we, forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah, actually. Pe- That's peaches, good too. peaches are good too. Um, peaches they're, they're, good, they're really good to so eat. Well uh, all the fruit we get, I usually eat a whole bunch of it before it ever even makes <laughs> it into the beer. So yeah, no, peach is definitely good. Those are really good peaches. We made two batches of that this past year, and we made the second batch um, kind of right. Right as we were starting to slow down, and we wanted a fruit, we wanted a fruit goza to kind of carry into the kind of more slower months, and so that second peach goza conditioned on the fruit for a really long time. Man, we had that beer, we had that beer two months after we made it, and it was tasting amazing. Because sometimes, like for instance, the strawberry beer that we were drinking, we hit hit it with strawberries, and I think two days later it was in a keg, so it didn't get a ton of time because okay. because like we're really especially in the fruit season you know beer is moving quick um so 
it doesn't get as much time to condition. So when we do those peaches, you know, the peaches at the end of the season, it got a lot of time to sit and it really, really. They seem like a fruit that would impart more flavor also. Like that, that it's a more flavorful, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, it's just a matter of figuring out the volumes that work. You know, you don't have to use, like we used 180 pounds of strawberries. You don't have to use 180 pounds of peaches or black raspberries. Jeez, we went way over the top with black raspberries <laughs> last year. We made a blackberry, uh, black raspberry, uh, Belgian whip beer and it looked like, looked like purple drink. It was, it was, <laughs> so. it went, it went really good half and half with the stout though. <laughs> like really good. The, there's a brewery in Pittsburgh called East End. And they do a collaboration series with Pizza Boy, and they call it Pennsylvania Handshake, <clears throat> which sounds like it would be something filthy. But I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, and there's no ma- there's no entry. Um, but they they just came out with a strawberry uh, milkshake IPA, a strawberry vanilla milkshake IPA is so good. Okay. okay. Thankfully, my wife was up there and was able to bring me back right. some. Right. That was also a really good strawberry beer. Was it similar? I'm trying to think it would be any similar similar to what different IPA fruited IPAs that are out there that I've maybe I've had. I've never really had a vanilla. Yeah, the only other ones I've ever had that had strawberry were also had like a bunch of other stuff in it too. So this is the only one that was just strawberry vanilla. It was I really good. Cool. So there's something to put on your plate. I could I could probably find one for you. I think uh I think Brandon would have one for you. Right. Probably. All I'll right. ask him. All right. Actually, yeah, I should have brought one for you to share with you guys. I'm a horrible host. No worries. No worries. We're, we're happy to bring <laughs> the beer. Yeah, we brought a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, for one of my favorite segments that people often let me down during, you let me know ahead of time that you came prepared. Yeah, and I left it in the car. <sighs> let me see if I can. I, I might need a second to pull it up on my phone here. But okay. I have a bunch of untapped reviews. They're just uh, not in front of me right now. All right, well, Zach and I will talk for a little bit, and then we'll, to get let you prepare yourself. Why don't you tell them about the beer we're going to brew tomorrow? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you've heard about um, Brute IPA. No. Okay, so apparently Brute IPA is like all the rage in California. Um, I know of two breweries so far that have brewed them. I don't really know of any on the East Coast yet. Um, might, might be wrong. I don't know. Um, not that I've seen And a brute IPA is sort of, um, I don't want to say it's, it's the opposite of a new New England IPA necessarily, but New England IPAs tend to be kind of, you know, real heavy, um, and, and somewhat sweet. Um, so this is an IPA that's very, very pale, uh, very, very dry, um, and slightly overcarbonated, but still has all of the hops added at the end of the boil. Um, so you get still that same kind of juicy fruitiness, uh-huh. but, but easier and lighter to drink. Huh. Um, you know, when it's real hot outside and low alcohol, um, like anywhere between four to six percent alcohol. Um, so just like a nice, but refreshing more of the mouthfeel of a regular IPA, or is it steel? probably even less than that? Okay. Yeah. It'll, so it'll, it'll be, be like champagne. Like yeah. Okay. Real, real kind of easy to drink when it's real hot out, you know. Um, and it's called a brute IPA. It's named after ch- the champagne. Yep. I've never heard of that. So we're gonna we're gonna well we'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna brew one of those tomorrow. Um, and I mean the good news is. Uh, 
If it doesn't taste like a brewed IPA, we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> Our beer is still as long as, it, as, long as, it, as long as it tastes good to us, then it's good, and yeah. no one will know the difference. You mentioned the, the milkshake IPA. We've never really done a lactose IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not really uh, something that I have a strong desire to make or, or really drink. I, I don't either. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm happy for people experimenting and, and using fruit and using lactose and, and vanilla in different ways. I mean, I'm not, not going to really tell anybody what beers to make and what beers to not. Um, I think our goal is to make a beer that when people sit down at a bar, they can have two of. And those beers are a little bit hard to have more they're than mu- one. Yeah, they're definitely much more of a just having one because st- yeah. they, they don't play well with the stomach. So, <laughs> like in our setting, when <laughs> people come out to the farm, you know, we want people to have more you know they're usually there for an afternoon they need yeah. to have they need to be able to have a few and then and still feel they're not going to melt in the heat you know and things like that so we our beers are already pretty dry so it kind of makes sense for us to kind of push that to the extreme i mean we're going to try to ferment out all the sugar out of this thing so as dry as we can possibly make it yeah Which and then for how, us, like we love dry beer like that's how much more beer. carbonated than normal would be i don't think don't, or is it just the dry we haven't talked about that yeah, yet. Okay. We yeah, I don't think a ton. You know, carbonation, um, again, all our beers draft, so it has to be able to flow fine at all the draft accounts, mm-hmm. and we will hear complaints if a beer is over-carbonated. Okay. Um, so I don't think it will be anything, like, over the top. The, only, the only description we have to go on is that it's supposed to be spritzy. 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 <laughs> Which, if it's carved at the normal level and it's dry... It's gonna taste. It's gonna it's seem gonna a lot more, way, okay. You know, because it's already a lighter, a lighter beer. So, so. it'd be like, um, like a sparkling water type. Yeah, feel. similar. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be very. Like you know, it's gonna be hoppy thin. alcohol, sparkling water. Go with that. <laughs> Go with that. And 100 percent malt from uh, Flying Dog University of Maryland and Copper Fox. That combo. So, so. it's like uh, Lacroix hoppy. Hop flavored Lacroix. Like, that, that'll sell beer right there. It probably <laughs> will. I know. I know a few people. In fact, my roommate would buy the crap out of that <laughs> we have uh we have killed enough time for me to locate All some right. of these reviews so here we go now i only started recording the, these let's see i started recording them this one is from march of 2017 uh this one says it's about our three two one goes a series you know which it's not supposed to be hoppy he said if you added a lot of hops to this then you would have a fantastic ipa <laughs> three, two, one, Goza. Sour, nice. sour IPAs are a thing. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you uh, would have a fantastic salted sour IPA. <laughs> perhaps I shouldn't really. What read. are we doing making a brute IPA? We can just make the Goza. We already have that nailed and just dry <laughs> hop, hop, yeah. hop the crap out of it. Um, so Runaway, our fruited double IPA, which I think has a, I think it has a decent reputation. This one says, "Imagine Miller High Life as an IPA." <laughs> thank, thank you sir i didn't record the caps i would like him to give me like that, five sound, that honestly yeah. sounds more like the brute ipa yeah then. yeah um let's see hold on i got one more oh this one is awesome so we have a beer called coffee in bed it's our um it's named because named that way because beecher who was the um patriarch of the farm he brought marion uh coffee in bed every morning for like 40 years so we named a beer coffee in bed this is our coffee ipa uh for those of you who don't know it's a it's not a um black ipa coffee coffee in bed is a pale coffee flavored simcoe ipa really tasty this this just made me laugh um like a murphy bed the coffee just jumps out at you <laughs> I was like, that is awesome um and then this one says about our mod our belgian double uh 
not great, but much improved over the cucumber incident. I don't know what the cucumber. We've incident. never put cucumber in a. Beer. <laughs> We've never used. Cucumber. I wonder. I think there might be a beer named cucumber incident. Oh, I don't know. Oh no! Or there's now just, we now we look like the. Or know. there's some kind of incident that happened on your farm that you're not aware of. Mm, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, Could be. We don't grow And then I'll enough. I'll skip some of the <laughs> Some of the, I just have these in here just to. I smile sometimes when I read these. So, uh, we think the the untapped reading on, on uh, the uncapped reading on untapped is a very nice segment. Brewers out there, get save your reviews because they're fun to look at. And we all know how we all know those reviews that you get that are hilarious to you. So, so for a little while, I obsessively looked at the untapped reviews of Mike Up Mango when whenever it was um, Monoxy released it, and we brewed that with three hundred and fifty three pounds of mango puree. I and mean, did you get to try it at all? I don't. Was it at that uh, event in Silver Spring? Was it at the? Um, oh, you guys didn't have it then. Yet, no, it wasn't that. The yeah. Love Thy Beer. No, I didn't get a chance to get it. So it was. I mean, it looked like mango juice, and one of the reviews was that they couldn't discern any mango in the aroma or the taste, and that, and like that was all you could taste or smell. <laughs> And that's when you just so, stop reading. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all right, I guess. I mean, the fact of the matter is none of those reviews matter. <laughs> they just really don't. We appreciate feedback. Uh, however, you know, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a forum to, you know. It's not a make you, make you a break you kind of thing. There's too much citra in this beer. There's no citra in the beer. You know, I think there's, yeah. I think, you know, I think you kind of just put stock in it that it's a, it's a way for people to, I mean, I do, you know, I'm the brewer and I'm reading those and, you know, I toast people that give us fives and things like that. It's a nice way, you know, it's a nice outlet. I think it's a great social media for beer in general. Yeah. I mean, anything that, anything that boosts interest and connects people to craft is great. You know what I mean? We use, we use, um, and I'm untapped. sure there, I'm sure there are some people that leave your reviews that you can that actually give feedback you can use. Oh, for sure. And it also like and, you know, I use it if you know that one about cucumber. We might have been on right behind a cucumber beer, you know. And so sometimes I'll I'll look at it and say, okay, we need to get out there and clean that line, or that keg's been there too long. Why did they leave that in their cooler? You know, we kind of use it to see where beer's being drank. Okay. Um, so that's that's helpful for sure, you know. And I think we're in the industry to. You know, to sell and be about beer, and so we use we use un, un, Untapped to um, you know monitor our draft list for you know our draft list. This our draft list can always be found on our Facebook page under the tab Beer. That's linked to because we're a verified venue for, okay. for Untapped. So um, yeah, we'd love that. It's just please be honest on your on your reviews. I don't really <laughs> care. I mean, obviously. If you buy a Goza and you don't like sour beer, then maybe don't rate it. You can check it in. Yeah. You know what I mean? But all the things. But Or do rate it so we can read it and laugh about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's a I think it's it's been I mean, there was time before untapped and, and it was you didn't really know what everybody was drinking, but now uh, that's a nice that's a nice outlet for sure. Well, I mean if you um if you add a little more hops to this, uh Maybe some Three, lactose. Two, one, Goza and some lactose, um, and, and maybe a little bit of vanilla. IPA. Vanilla. This would be a really good strawberry vanilla milkshake IPA. Thank you, sir. I will. <laughs> I will uh, duly noted. We'll go back to the lab. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I want to say thank you one more time to our supporting co- sponsor, Caps. Be different. Look different. For more information, visit capsbottles.com. 
And also, so do you have anything else yeah. coming up that we want to highlight? Sure do. Um, come this coming weekend uh, on Saturday, we have our um, our, our second horse. We had a horse trial this past weekend. We have another horse trial this Saturday. Um, that is a great time to come out to the farm. Um, you can. We have two different serving locations. You can kind of walk around the farm with a plastic 12-ounce cup and kind of see places of the farm that you don't usually see. There's horses everywhere. We're talking anywhere between two and 300 horses on the farm. So it's a great great time to come out to the brewery. Um, I think the we start pouring at 1 o'clock in the brewery, and at noon we start pouring um, you know, at, at the secondary serving station. So um, that's a great, great thing. We got, we do, um, we're at farmer's markets. I forget which one this is, but uh, follow us on Facebook. Um, we're at kind of all different events every weekend. So, um, and I've always, I've done a bunch of these now and I've, I have a few people to, to bring into the fold here. It's always me and now I'm bringing Zach. Um, Zach's my assistant brewer and has been killing it. Um, and we're super, super thankful that we have Zach. Um, Courtney is our longest um, employee. Courtney does uh, head of sales. She's always, you know, she's boots on the ground at different accounts. She's kind of the face face of our brewery, and she does a really good job. And so, uh, Courtney's killing it. Um, my wife is another owner, and she uh, she's who I drink the most beer with. And so, <laughs> obviously, the R and D is happening with her for sure. Um, Jessica, my wife's cousin, um, kind of does all the things that are not real fun to run a brewery. She does all the books and politics and you know invoices and you know pays all the bills so she she's done a great job she's um holding holding her own for sure um her husband brett um has helped with helped with scheduling and helped with the business plan writing and kind of gives us some he's also on the um, board of uh, bam he's the okay. he's the secretary of bam and kind of represents farm breweries now um and then i, I mentioned rob lang and uh, his wife andrea andrea's running the merch and she does a really good job and rob is Rob handles spent grain and wastewater and, you know, kind of the ag, the agricultural side of our farm, managing the hop garden. We have a, we have a commercial uh, brewer's garden that he kind of is working really hard on. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that coming here, uh, Vic, I uh, talked about Vic, our beekeeper, um, we do the fun stuff, and we get to like go to all the fun things. Yeah. there are a, whole, a lot of people. Whole supporting cast. Yeah, and I just haven't really ever mentioned all those people in this form and setting, so I wanted to just say thanks. So one thing I meant to say too is one thing I love about your hats and your stickers. It always makes me think of Mario Kart or just Super Mario. Oh, so uh, so it's funny. Mario. It's funny you should bring that up uh, because when we got our delivery van. Um, after he and I stopped delivering in our Prius in Cherokee, <laughs> um, when we got the delivery van, uh, we had um, decals put on it, right? So we had it totally wrapped, and on the front was supposed to be the W, but when it came back, it was upside down, so it was an M. So yeah, so you're right, you're you're not wrong. Uh, it it might have been a joke. <laughs> there's a lot of Mario jokes. Yeah. All right, so gentlemen, we have a tradition that was started few episodes ago that we do is end each episode with someone doing a shot of the hop infused whiskey that we made with McClintock distilling in Frederick. So we took a single chocolate malt, distilled it through the gin basket filled with hops. Um, this is the white version, a little harsher than what the finished product will be in a year and a half, um, but I still find it to be delicious. So I want to say thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Cheers. 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 Thanks for having us. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook 
And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.